and welcome to the Luke Miller Podcast. I'm glad that you're able to join me today. On this week's episode, we're continuing our series in Romans chapter 15 as we find ourselves in verses 8 through 13, taking a look at what it means to accept one another as we gather together, and also what it means for us to stand on God's promises, meaning that that's something that unites us all. I'm looking forward to today. I hope you are too. So you can grab your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 15, and let's dive in. As we read through Scripture, we can see that there are, are several things that often find themselves in conflict with each other. And one of those things as we read throughout both the Old Testament and the New Testament is two groups of the Jews and the Gentiles. Uh, The Jews were God's chosen people, also known as the nation of Israel, and the term Gentile refers to all those outside the Jewish faith, and sometimes translated as nations in your Bible. From a biblical point of view, the human race is divided into two distinct groups, the Jews and everybody else. Since there are are approximately 15 million Jews today, amid a total population of of over 6 billion people, nearly everyone falls into the Gentile group. Now, Israel was chosen to reflect the will and the character of God in a unique way, and yet they were often led astray by the surrounding nations. Because of that, there was a lot of great animosity that developed over the years between Jews and Gentiles. The Gentiles did not like the Jews, and we can see that from the book of Esther. They often ravaged and defiled the Holy Land, and we can see that uh, from Psalm 79. They were rebellious against God, and it caused a lot of problems. The Jews, on the other hand, tried to stay away from the Gentiles, as we read in the book of Acts, specifically in chapter 10. The daily prayer of a strict Jew uh, a strict Jewish male involved thanking God that he was not a Gentile. <laughs> and even uh, after becoming Christ followers, the tendency of some with Jewish backgrounds who were believers was to doubt whether the Gentiles were really on the same equal spiritual plane. This was causing a lot of trouble, obviously, in the book of Romans, which is one of the reasons why Paul is dealing with this. There is plenty of dirty laundry on both sides that both kept on bringing up. Uh, and as we take a look at at verse 7 in Romans chapter 15, it really summarizes how we're supposed to put up with people who there may be animosity with in our lives as Christ followers. It simply says, accept one another, then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. So the question that we find ourselves asking today is, how are you making room for people in your lives that there may be some animosity against? Have you hit a roadblock because of some conflict? Uh, and, or are you actively working as a peacemaker? Now, verse 7 lays the groundwork for verses 8 through 13, which tells us how we're to get along with people who, by nature, we despise and pull away from because of cultural differences and backgrounds. God has brought not only the weak and the strong together, but also Jew and Gentile. And while verses 1 through 7 challenges challenge us to please others instead of ourselves, verses 8 through 13 emphasize praising God in unity and harmony. To quote John MacArthur, Paul is no longer exhorting here in a negative way. When he, uh, when he was calling us to not offend or not cause someone to stumble, but is now positively calling us to rejoice in what God has done in making us one celebrating that unity that he was calling for in the first uh, seven verses of chapter 15. 
And when we take a look at this, and we, I want to go back a bit, and, and verses 8, 8 through 13 definitely do this, going back in history, but it, it's building on the promises of God and understanding that God's promises should cause us to worship him and praise him. Now, if we take a look at God's promises to the Jewish people, we see in verse 8, where it says, For I tell you that Christ has become the servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to conform the promises made to the patriarchs. This is a very bold statement. And and the phrase, for I tell you, is very emphatic, which indicates that um, that what is to follow is extremely important and has a great doctrinal significance. This should make us sit up straight and lean forward to hear what Paul is going to reiterate in, in the main argument that's uh, of the statement. Interestingly, that the title Paul chooses here for Jesus is servant. But he's simply following what Jesus himself said in Luke chapter 22, verse 27. But I am among you as one who serves. Jesus confirmed the promises that were made by the Jewish patriarchs, which means that he had fulfilled them. If we're taking a look at this and and understanding what this means, we can see that there are many illustrations to choose from. But if we take a look at an encounter, of course, when we understand that the Jews were the people of promise and Jesus was born a Jew in order to serve the Jews first. And we take a look at Jesus, the encounter Jesus had with a Gentile woman from the country of Canaan. Uh, You can... uh, you can find this in Matthew chapter 15, verses 22 to 24, and I'll, I'll read it here. Uh, a Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Now, we're going to hold on to that because we're going to circle back to that passage in a second. But I want us to understand what Jesus said there. I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Because it brings us to our next section, that which is God's prophecies to the Gentile people. We've looked at the promises to the Jewish people. Now we look to the, the prophecies of the Gentile people. While the Old Testament makes clear that the Jews were the people of promise, Gentiles were also included in God's plan. And if you look at the first part of verse 9, it says, So that promises are made to to the Jewish patriarchs Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in order that God's mercy would spread to the Gentiles. And then it goes on to say, So that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. I love how Simeon puts it in the song when he encounters baby Jesus in Luke chapter 2. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and, and for the glory to your people Israel. Simeon understands that the promises now are also to, not replacing, but also uh, to the Gentiles. The whole point of Jesus' coming was to fill the promises of the patriarchs was solely that non-Jewish people could experience God's mercy and thus bring praise to God. Okay, now let's pick up that Canaanite story again, uh, the story of the Canaanite woman in Matthew chapter 15. If I continue 
from verse 24, where I had read before, it says, the women, woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. And he replied, it is not right to take the children's bread, what belongs to the Jews, and then toss it to their dogs. Jesus is referring to the common belief that Gentiles were like dogs. And that's what's happened here. Yes, Lord, she said. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's tables. You see, what happens here is she recognizes that salvation came first to the Jews, but then it was shared with the Gentiles. And, and because of that, Jesus answers, woman, you have great faith. Your request has been granted. And her daughter was healed that very hour. So, so when the gospel went forth in the book of Acts, efforts were, were made first to reach the Jewish people. And when they rejected it, the missionaries reached out to the Gentiles as well. One example of this is found in Acts chapter 13, verse 46, where Paul and Barnabas addressed the Jewish audience with these words. We've, we had to speak the word of God to you first, since you rejected it, since you rejected and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. At the very beginning of the book of Romans, this truth is reinforced in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, one of my favorite verses. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because of the power of God for the salvation of everyone who, bring, who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. So there, there's a few things that I want to stop and, and ponder just for a moment as we continue uh, along this track. The first is uh, something that we call replacement theology. That's to suggest that, as some people do, that Gentiles or the church has replaced the Jewish people. The one thing that we see here is that that there is a universal statement here, right? That whether you take John and, and for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, he's saying God sent love the world so much, here we see in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, uh, God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile, not first to the Jew, and then replaced by the Gentile. The, the wording is very specific in this. Uh, we see this through the Old Testament as well. It was part of a covenant promise given to Abraham way back in Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, which is so much a uh, ascending narrative. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on, on earth will be blessed through you. Now, often we forget that last tiny little bit in that statement. That last tiny little bit is, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. And this is where we see the missional nature of God in really at the heart of it all. And in, in that mission of, yes, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. Those who come in contact with you and, and bless you, I will bless them. Whoever curses you, I will curse. But understand that all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you in the message that you have. So in order to make a, his point about how Jesus also came for the Gentiles, Paul references four different Old Testament passages from four different sections of the Hebrew Bible. Now, the Hebrew Bible is made up of the books of history, the law, the Psalms, and the prophets. And, and these verses are found in books written by men of great faith, honored by Jews everywhere, Moses, David, and Isaiah. And we'll see that Paul's not offering just one proof text, but a whole string of passages to prove his point. 
The first is Romans 15.9, which this is a reference to 2 Samuel 22.50 and Psalm 18.49. As it is written, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name. And the phrase, as it is written, literally means has been written and stands written. What was true then is true now. The second in the next verse, chapter 15, verse 10, is a reference to Deuteronomy 32, which says, again, it says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. The re- what it's saying here is the redeemed can't break out, can't help but break out into rejoicing. All who believe will break out into rejoicing. Romans chapter 15, 11, then says, this is, well, is a reference to Psalm 117. Again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praises to him, all you peoples. And finally, Romans chapter 15, 12 is a reference to Isaiah chapter 11. Again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. The Gentiles will hope in him. So in Paul's message to uh, the Romans, we see both Jews and Gentiles wrestling with each other a bit in our passage today. In last week's podcast, it was the weak Christians and the strong Christians uh, wrestling with it a bit. But but I think what, what we can see here is that there's a beautiful progression that's found in the four references that I just read. In verse 9, uh, the the Jewish singer is is standing in the midst of the Gentiles singing praises. In verse 10, both groups are rejoicing with each other. In verse 11, the Gentiles are directed to sing his praises, whether anyone else is singing or not. And finally, in verse 12, the focus is not on the singers, but on God who reigns supreme. See how there's this natural progression that's happening in this and, and what we see out of this is that, especially as we get to that verse 12, is that God's power is available to all who trust in him. Take a look at the benediction, the last part, uh, which we see in verse 13 of Romans chapter 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with, with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This really closes the main argument of Romans. We move from sinners to those who worship, from being hopeless to those who are filled with hope, from those who have no, have no joy or peace to experiencing the fruit of the Spirit. And here's some observations about this verse as we uh, start to wrap it up. And if we slow down a little bit and dive into the passage phrase by phrase, you see may, the first word, this is the prayer from Paul, a desire that he has for all believers— the God of hope, recognizing that everything starts with God. When Paul quotes Isaiah chapter 11 about the Gentiles hoping in Jesus, he picks up on the idea of God himself being the origin and the object of our hope. Not just something that, that is new, but, but rather being the origin and the beginning of whatever true hope we need to have. Related to this, it's it's good to anchor our prayers in, uh, Anchor our prayers to an attribute of God, uh, whether when we're hurting or feeling hopeless, remind yourself that God is a God of hope and, and cry out to him. So we say, may the God of hope fill. Uh, it's, it's interesting. This is the same word that we don't see too often, but it's the same word that is was used when, 
when we see when Jesus first met his disciples and he told them to cast the the nets on the other side and the nets were crammed full of fish. This is what we have. There's nothing else in the world that can satisfy us like God. Uh, Paul prayed, to, or Paul loved to pray for others, I should say, uh, and and so should we. And, and this is a great passage to pray for members of your family, for members of of the church that you belong to, to members of the community, and, and to Christ followers everywhere as well. Who do you know that needs some hope in your life? Who do you know that needs some joy, some peace? Pray this passage for them. Uh, understanding that someone in your family or close to you right now needs this prayer. With all joy, it says. So may the God of hope fill you with all joy, that deep down sense of, of well-being that abides in the heart of the person who knows all is well between him and God uh, and is independent of whatever circumstances they're going through, favorable or unfavorable. That's that true joy, right? No matter what you're going through, you still are experiencing with joy. And peace, it goes on to say, uh, so that we are no longer divided as you trust in him, recognizing that you trust in God. You know, as we start to recognize this, we, we come to that conclusion, God's praises are meant to be proclaimed to everyone. Uh, and, and I think that, that for us, what is so unique about us as Christ followers is that unity of worshiping God with one voice that we have to have. Worship is ultimate. And, and so we have to, to t- understand that as we look at what it means to be united. This passage is all about uniting the people who should not be united. But we saw that there is unity in diversity. If we go back to our passage to see how united, harmonious praise is here, listen to verses 9 and 11. As I give special emphasis to the words that are... Uh, that deal with worship so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy as it is written. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name. Again, it says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praises to him, all you peoples. You see what's happening here? It's that recognizing that once we realize just how unified we are and how unified we can be, no matter what, how diverse we are, what idiosyncrasies we have, we recognize that there is something more and there is something greater. And that causes us naturally to worship. The promises at the beginning of this passage, both for Jews and Gentiles, should naturally lead us to worship God for who he is, for the joy that he brings, for the peace that he brings. And that's our challenge for today. You know, understanding God's promise, it should cause us to rejoice. So so two challenges as we go from here and as we finish up. The first is, is there someone in your life that you need to pray that prayer over that, that we read? That may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the Holy Spirit. What a powerful prayer that we can pray on those that we love and those who are in need of hope and joy and peace. And maybe you're the one who needs that prayer for yourself. And that's our my prayer for you today as you listen to this. The second is, is as you discover that hope, our challenge is to rejoice 
and not keep quiet on it. To proclaim to all. And as we proclaim to all, we give all the glory to God as we seek to build his kingdom. I'm going to finish for there today. I think that's a great place to stop. Uh, And I'm looking forward to continuing this as I do love this series and I love this chapter in Romans. So I want to thank you for joining me. Hopefully you've taken away some challenges for today. And as we go from here, let me just pray that the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Take care. Have a great week. And I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us on the Luke Miller Podcast, part of Sunrise Digital Ministries at Sunrise Community Church in Fair Oaks, California. If you're wanting to know more about our digital ministries, you can download our app at the Google Play Store or the Apple Store, where you'll find Backshed Bible Study, Sunday Sermons, and the Luke Miller Podcast. If you've got questions about who Jesus is or what it means to be a Christ follower, we would love to connect with you. And you can send us a note at www.sunrise.church welcome, and we'll get you connected. Thanks again for joining us. Take care.